Hey, Adultish fam, we need a quick favor from y'all. We're conducting our annual Radiotopia listener survey, and we'd really be grateful if you could just take a few minutes to fill out the questionnaire. What he said. This means a lot to us, so please visit survey.prx.org slash adultish, that's adultish with no space, to tell us what you think of the show and help us learn a little bit more about yourself. There, you can answer questions about all the other Radiotopia podcasts you listen to as well. Yup, it'll really help us program the content that you want for season four. So that's survey.prx.org slash adultish. Thanks, y'all. Mwah! For me, when I listen to any type of news, I want to hear it from people who really understand the experiences of those that they speak or write about. That's what we try to do on Adultish. So that's why I'm so excited about a new show called A Better Life. It's a podcast about immigrants and how they're being affected by COVID-19. At A Better Life, the host and virtually all the reporters are immigrants or the children of immigrants, like your girl. You'll also hear from immigrant elders like grandparents, parents, aunts, uncles, to hear how they're coping during the pandemic and what they've learned over the years that can help the rest of us survive today's challenges. A Better Life introduces you to people and places that you may have never encountered any other way. It's the kind of stories that you want to hear nowadays. So listen wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so my question is, what is an Asian food that your parents packed you growing up that you got made fun of for from your classmates? It's the nook mom, the like fish sauce that people used to be like, oh, what's that smell? Okay, so my mother used to make me kebab. So kebab is like ground meat and then it's like put into like a roll and then like grilled. But it looks like a turd, right? Like it literally looks like shit. And you like wrap it up in naan, which is like bread, and eat it. So like obviously the white kids are like, you're eating a shit sandwich. And I was like, it tastes so much better than your like grocery store-bought Lunchables like meat. Like you have no idea. Yeah, my classmates would always mercilessly make fun of me and say, oh, curry smells, curry is disgusting. Uh, you smell like curry. The, the story that sticks out the most is one time my mom like made all this Taiwanese food and you know we had like, I don't know, 10 dishes because that's normal. And my American friend, she asked for butter and salt, and all she ate was salt and butter on top of her white rice. And, and this was like a very offensive moment. Like my mom was offended that, you know, she didn't try any of the food, but apparently it's a thing. How did it make you feel when they're like, Meh. Regardless of bringing food or not bringing food, it's sort of like a internal hatred of self too. And then since then, I only bought lunch from the cafeteria. Great. Proud to be Asian. Here, let me ask you, have you ever made fun of someone, whether that be at school, at a restaurant, been like, damn, that smells? Nah. Honestly, I eat everything. So it was funny. My <laughs> my uh my grandpa used to always say when God made me, he just said food eat because <laughs> like literally anything edible, like I always eat it. <laughs> Dang. Okay, so maybe it wasn't a problem for you. Have you ever made fun of of somebody? <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh yeah, there was this one time I went to this restaurant called Boiling Point with my friends and uh-huh. they brought out some stinky tofu. I think it was like Korean. <laughs> okay, or Japanese. I don't know. I should be a better Asian for knowing. I'm not. Um, it smelled so bad. It smelled like gingivitis in 
tofu. And so one of my friends was like, oh, that smells like shit, you know? And I was like, oh my God, it stinks. So I'm sorry for that. I'm pretty ashamed. But um, Davey just whispered in my ear that it's not, <laughs> it's not Korean or Japanese. And you should feel very bad about that. Okay, fine. I'm not, I'm not educated in all my Asian peoples. Okay. But hey, if you want the Vietnamese knowledge, I can drop those knowledge bombs. Ooh, you know, I'm going to have to tap in because you know I like it. <laughs> What's up, everybody? I'm Nige. And I'm Merck. And welcome to Adult-ish, a show produced by YR Media where we talk about traumatic school lunches. Yup. Like my new foodie friend said up top, he's proud of the Asian part of his identity, and so am I. I identify as Asian American, but I also know that the term is problematic because it doesn't accurately reflect the 20 million or so people in the U.S. that the government would categorize as, quote, Asian American. Mm, like those boxes or whatever where it says, like, check all that apply to your racial identity. Yeah, not everyone's represented in those boxes. And people with origins from places like Pakistan, India, the Philippines, and even Vietnam, like me, we don't always identify with that term. And we're gonna get into that soon in our semi-problematically titled episode, Asian-ish. <laughs> yeah, so later in the show, Merck and, uh, yeah, just, just Merck yeah. is gonna be talking to Disney superstar Peyton Elizabeth Lee from Andy Mack on the cultural significance of her role for Asian American representation. But first, we're gonna sit down with some of our friends, including actress Asia Jackson, along with a very special guest in a roundtable about colorism. Hmm, I wonder who the special guest is. <laughs> So in this first segment, we're talking about colorism because it's something me and our guests have all struggled with at some point. But before we actually get into what it is and why it's problematic, I'm going to introduce the friends joining us today. So here in the studio is Marjorie Massey-Cat, who also works at YR Media to teach young people how to code and design websites. She's also a poet. Hey, Marge. Hello. Hey. Then all the way north in Seattle, we've got my friend and former co-worker Kamna Shastri, a reporting fellow at KOW Public Radio. Hey, Kamna. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> all the way south in LA is actress Asia Jackson, who you've seen on Modern Family, Young and the Restless, and Superstore, just to name a few. Hey, Asia. Hey, girl. Hey. <laughs> and again, in our studio, we have our special guest, Nige, my fraternal podcast twin, who's going to ride in the passenger seat for this roundtable while big sister Merck does the driving. Hey. <laughs> Thank you all for being here. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. So because this is a podcast and people can't actually see what we all look like, I just wanted to start off by having everyone describe their skin tone in three words or less. And if you need an example, our boss, Davey Kim, would describe himself as darker than most Koreans, which is four words and I guess you can't count. Um, who wants to start? I guess I could start. Um, I thought about this a lot. But I um, decided on salted caramel mocha. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I also have some Damn. alternatives, but that was the main one. I was like, hmm, yeah, I'm a good drink. Yeah. Uh. I guess I'll go. I was thinking about this and I was like, I don't know. But when I was in high school, um, that song Black and Yellow was like really mm. popular. So I was yeah, like, yeah, Black yeah. and Yellow, Black mm -hmm. and Yellow. So that that's how I would say <laughs> <laughs> uh -huh, I'm you know black and Asian, so you know what it is. <laughs> I'm like a 
red milk chocolate. Red, red milk chocolate. Mm. Yeah, because oh. I'm like milk chocolate with like a red undertone. You see, you see like a red like milk a sienna <laughs> for all those artists out yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. Look at those descriptive colors. <laughs> Kamna, I think I'm. Um, this is so hard. Um, I'm gonna go with pale white vanilla bean. <laughs> and vanilla bean is one word in this case. Yeah, yes, yeah. yes. Let's just say that. Vanilla bean. Um, by the way, Kamna is Indian American and has albinism, and so we'll get into that in a bit. That's the paleness and the whiteness. <laughs> All right. Um, for me, I would say glowing hazelnutty bronze. Mm. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. You know, in the sunlight, you got to get that highlight right. Yeah. Off. Oh, yes, ma'am. <laughs> Absolutely. So I might need a little help with the definition, but I've known colorism as the discrimination against people with darker skin in preference to someone else with lighter skin. It's not the same thing as racism because colorism comes from people within the same ethnic group. Mm -hmm. Is there anything else anyone would like to add to this definition? Um, It's not like always within your own community, Mm -hmm. but I mean, it typically is. That sounds about right. The only thing that I would add just for nuance is that um, colorism is systemic. So it's not just Mm -hmm. like a beauty standard, you know, like it literally affects people's livelihoods and like ability to get a job. Like darker skinned people are often killed like extrajudicially more often. So it's like a systemic issue as opposed to like just being like, oh, lighter skinned people are more beautiful. Mm -hmm. Like that's part of it. But Mm -hmm. I think it's a much bigger issue than that. Yeah, it also stems from uh, European colonialism. Mm. Thanks, colonists! (laughs) We're all messed up because of you. (laughs) So, Asia, you created a movement that aims to combat colorism within the Filipino community called the hashtag Magandang Marinix. That translates from Tagalog to beautiful brown skin. Correct. So what personal experiences did you have that led you to start it? Yeah, so um, I am half Filipino. I'm half black and half Filipino. And I'm a military brat, so like I moved all over the place growing up. And one of the places that Mm -hmm. I lived was in the Philippines. I lived there for a year. And one of the things that I noticed that was really difficult to ignore was that I was treated differently for having darker skin. You know, I would be called names or, you know, sometimes I saw that Like my other classmates who are also of darker skin tones were also treated the same way and they were not even, you know, mixed. They were just like full-blooded Filipinos. And so I realized that it wasn't really like a race thing because it was my classmates also who are being discriminated against. I didn't have a word for it, but now I, I know it was colorism. But about three years ago... In October, which is Filipino American Heritage Month, I was trying to figure out a way to like celebrate the month. And I remembered when I was living in the Philippines, I was discriminated for having darker skin. And I knew that a lot of people around the world, a lot of Filipinos around the world could totally relate. And so I created that hashtag and now we have it. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Um, I am also Filipino, so hey. even seeing the Magandang Morenix um, hashtag was really cool, um, like three years mm-hmm. ago. And so I'm just wondering if anyone, like even in the Philippines or of Filipino descent, has really like reached out to you about sort of the hashtag and movement that you've created. Yeah, so there is one person in particular. 
I wish I like screenshotted the email because I can't find it anywhere. But <laughs> after um, after the second time we did it in May 2017, uh, someone emailed me and they were like, you know, thank you so much for creating this hashtag. It really made me change my mind about getting glutathione shots. And for everyone that's oh, wow. listening that doesn't know, a lot of people in the Philippines get injected with a chemical basically called glutathione which lightens your skin and people do it so much that it's like super dangerous like they inject so much into their bloodstream that it literally lightens their skin so you know just hearing that message like I started crying because I was like whoa I cannot believe that you know just this one hashtag that I created could have changed someone's life like that yeah wow I want to hear from anyone else who wants to share about a specific experience where someone from your own ethnic or racial community, whether that be even a family member or a friend, said something to you in regards to your skin color that just made your jaw drop. I have one. Um, So this happened back in 2013, I think, the last time I visited India. Um, so I have very light skin. I look Scandinavian, blonde, mm-hmm. um, white passing. But my family is from South India, from Tamil Nadu. And in Tamil Nadu, we're known to have be on the darker side. If you meet my family, anyone else in my family, they all look very obviously Indian. So I'm, I stand out like a sore thumb. And um, I remember my cousin, and at the time she was 13 and I was 19, and... Um, we I don't remember what we were doing, but there was there came a point in time where she said something along the lines of, I wish I looked white like you. Mm. And that broke my heart in two ways. One, that she felt that way, because um, I think that reflects societally, right, what people see as beautiful and desirable. And on the flip side, I think I felt anger, too, because for me, the experiences I've had as someone who's white passing in my community have not been, they've been kind of painful, Mm -hmm. a lot of alienation, and I have other health issues that are related to my condition as well Mm -hmm. that all go kind of unnoticed when I have a family member saying that to me. At the same time, I I understood where it was coming from. And, you know, she was 13, like, Mm -hmm. you know, in her teenage years where you're really impressionable and you're worried about how you look and You know, like that one moment was very brief, but it brought up so many emotions and it brought up how complicated colorism is, how it affects, I think, people on all sides of the spectrum within a community. It really is so complicated. And I think for me in my own experience, I have had like my mom, who I love dearly, tell me things like, you need to wear lighter colors because it makes you look darker than you Mm -hmm. are and you're too dark. Mm -hmm. And that hurts. And to this day, like, I don't know if I wear a light shirt because it's something I, my mom will recognize me as like, oh, you look more beautiful today. Mm-hmm. Or if it's because I actually want to wear that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For me, it's like interesting because I don't know, I like in the black community, it's like, it's like you got like team light skin, yada, 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 team dark skin, this, this and that. And then like, I'm like right in the middle. I'm like brown skin. So like all my dark skin fr- friends call me light skin. All my light skin friends call me mm-hmm. dark skin. And then, like, anytime I try to, like, jump in on, like, the team light skin or the team dark skin, everybody's like, ah, oh, bro, shut up. You, dark skin, you don't know what you're talking about. Like, All right. I guess I'm on both sides. But it's just really interesting because, like, I, I'll hear it, like, from like all of like my dark skin friends or something like that like if I'm putting on sunscreen because I get sunburned so if I'm like putting on sunscreen and stuff like that they're like bro what you use it sunscreen like (laughs) 
wow, that's how you are. That's how you're moving out here. You're on the sunscreen life. But <laughs> imagine thinking but, you're stronger than the sun. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, ah, like I'll be trying to put on sunscreen in, in private. <laughs> Do it before you go. Right? Oh, that sunscreen? Nah. <laughs> it's lotion, I swear. <laughs> so I just wonder what are ways that we might be subconsciously, uh, implicitly or explicitly affirming colorism. I'll give an example myself, and it relates to Crazy Rich Asians. So I loved the book series, I loved the movie, and I didn't think of either of them very critically until I came across a HuffPost article talking about how the movie reinforces the stereotype that all Asians are either light-skinned or East Asians. Mm -hmm. And then it made me think, oh yeah, the darkest person I saw on screen was one of the cousins, played by Filipino-American actor uh, Nico Santos. Yeah. And he mm-hmm. didn't speak very much. But then I was like, oh, wait, that's fine. Like, the main story is not about him. But I don't know if that's me being complicit to colorism or not. Well, I just, I wanted to give my opinion about what you just said. Okay. If that's okay. Yes, please. <laughs> East Asians and Southeast Asians got, got beef. You know, we, we, we have some <laughs> beef over there in Asia. It's true. Yes, we do. Yeah. 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 I think it's good to criticize the fact that most Asian representation in Western media features light-skinned East Asians. I think that's really important to point out. But I also think that Crazy Rich Asians existing as a movie, like, I don't think it's that singular film's responsibility to represent Mm. everyone. You know what I mean? I think that we just need to make more movies that represent different types of Asians. Snaps mm. to that. Yeah, like that's I think it is really, like really important too because like a lot of times I think different communities don't understand how they're like being, you know, like you say, like complicit to like colorism and stuff like that. Cause you do it without thinking of it because it's just like so deeply ingrained in you. Mm-hmm. Like I remember when I got my um so first I'll start off. There was this blackish episode where um the daughter, like one of like the, the younger twin, what's her name? Diane, right? Diane, yeah. She um she, like, takes her school photo, and she comes out, like, looking, like, hecka dark. And her mom's pissed. Like, Dre's pissed. Like, the, her dad, like, everybody's mad. And everybody's like, yo, like, we got to go talk to the school and yada, yada, yada. And that resonated with me because when I was in school, I remember that happened for, like, one of my pictures. Because I went to private school, and it's, like, they have the camera settings, like, for everybody who's, like, you know, predominantly, like, on right. the less yeah. melanin yeah. side. Mm-hmm. And... So, like, when they got to me and they take, like, the picture of me, and, like, I come out looking, like, crazy dark. Like, you can only see, like, my eyes and my teeth. Wow. And, mm-hmm. like, I remember my mom was hot. Like, she went up to, like, the principal and she was like, y'all not about to have my baby in here looking like this and blah, blah, blah. And going crazy. And I remember, like, all the other, like, black moms were, like, with her on her side and stuff like that. And it felt like we were, like, fighting for our rights in that in that situation. But it's crazy that at that same time that we, like, thinking or we feeling like we're fighting for our rights, we're really saying, like, darker is is worse you know mm-hmm. and i mean like of course like you don't want to come out just looking like pitch black to where you can't see your face in the in the photo but like if you are looking on like the darker end or something like that like why is that a bad thing mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. yeah so I, I think that's like a really interesting thing because it's like you don't even realize it but like by doing that or whatever like that ingrained in me oh when i take pictures and they come out darker that's worse. So I'm throwing a Rise wow. filter on. I'm throwing a Valencia <laughs> yeah. filter on on, on <laughs> Instagram and all that. But it's just like, because that probably stems back to like, you know, middle school to when like my picture came out dark yeah. and I was like, 
never again. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, to piggyback off that point, um, if you're looking at the history of photography, when color film was introduced, um, mm. it was mostly made to make white people look perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, bringing up Davy again, he told me when he was in elementary school, his mom used to tell him he was too dark. And so he'd secretly put on retinol, which is anti-aging <gasps> oh cream. Wow. But when he was younger, he he thought he was like, oh, this will make me lighter. Oh and so he just like put that oh. all over his face. Oh, my gosh. Oh. I know. That's too much for a baby That's to crazy. put on his face. <laughs> <laughs> Does anyone else have stories like that? Yeah, I feel like my mom is a lot lighter skinned than I am, and my dad is uh, a lot darker skinned. And so, like, obviously putting one, two and two together, like, I'm, like, right in the middle. Um, but growing up, my mom used to tell me all these stories about how um, her family would help her achieve, like, this Eurocentric beauty standard. Um, one of them, which isn't necessarily related to skin whitening, but they used to um, put... Um, clothespins on her nose so that her nose would grow a lot pointier and with that they also like made her um, wash her skin with papaya soap Mm -hmm. and in the Philippines papaya soap is like the most popular way to sort of try and achieve whiter skin because I guess it's sort of like a brightening agent to some degree Mm -hmm. or whatever else they put in the soap Um, it's skin whitening but it is drying unfortunately but Mm -hmm. um, they Mm -hmm. also like made her um, bathe in milk interestingly enough and I have no (laughs) idea what that did or how it worked um, but she is, like, way lighter skin than I am, and, like, she just looks like a whiter Asian because Milk. of all those, like, Eurocentric things that everyone made her do. Um, it's a lot. Yeah. So I have a question, actually. What's up? As far as the black community goes, colorism definitely affects women more than men. Mm-hmm. But in the communities that y'all belong to, do you feel like it affects women in a different way? <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yes. I think a disproportionate uh, amount affects a lot of the women way more. I was just going to say, I had a friend um, who, she's Indian and was very, very much wanting to get married. And she was like very, very attuned to how people were going to respond to her skin color. And for us, you know, on matrimonials, you'll have different words to describe different skin colors and like, you know, dusky versus weedish. And Mm. you're not having the same language used for men as it's used for women on those matrimonial ads. So, yeah, women go through. (laughs) We can talk about Asian women and beauty. I feel like that has to be for years. That's got to be another episode. Mm -hmm. But this conversation, it has been sobering and optimistic. Um, Just being able to reflect on this, bringing light to this situation. No, no, we don't want to bring light to this situation. Um, (laughs) But we're talking about it. And I think that is the first step bringing awareness to people. So I just want to thank everyone for being here today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, everybody, you can check out Kamna on her website at kamnashastri.wordpress.com. Marjorie Massicat is at marge, that's with a J, cat.com. Check out Nige at adultishpodcast.com. <laughs> and Asia Jackson on the big screen or on all socials at A-A-S-I-N. Thanks for hanging out, everybody, again. And, uh, yeah. Brown is beautiful, Magandag Marinix! Period! Ooh, yeah! yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Merc. Yes, Nige? What kind of rules have you broken growing up? Me breaking rules? You know I'm an angel. I don't break rules. That's nonsense. That's 100% (laughs) cap.
No, okay. So in sixth grade, I threw a banana at my crush at lunchtime, <laughs> and for what? Um, because I, I, I liked him, and I guess that's how I showed my attraction to this person. Mm, how how romantic? Very romantic. <laughs> then I got in trouble by my teacher. Then I started crying, and then the teacher started crying. So <laughs> I cried my way out of it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I can't blame you because I've cried my way out of uh, a fair enough situation. So I see it. It's a, it's a valid excuse. What about you, though? What kind of rules have you broken? Um, so basically, I got mad that this girl got me in trouble. She, like, made a little snarky remark, and I locked her in the closet for all of recess in the sixth grade. So... <laughs> Yeah, and I got oh. I got detention for a very long time because of that. Wow. <laughs> well, if y'all think that's fun, our friends at the Mortified Podcast are making a new series that's all about the moments people broke the rules growing up and what those moments can teach us. And the best part, it's called... Ooh, you're, you're in, in trouble. trouble. And you can be on it if you're under 25 and have a story about stirring up mischief back in the day, whether that's something sus like cheating on a test or <laughs> something courageous like breaking dress code in the name of justice. Pitch a story at getmortified.com slash trouble. That's getmortified.com slash trouble. Help make some trouble. The good kind of trouble. Here with me in the adultish house is actress Peyton Elizabeth Lee. If you've got younger siblings who watch Disney Channel, or are that person in your 20s who still watches it like me, <laughs> then you've seen Peyton as lead character Andy on Andy Mac, a show about navigating life as a young teen who finds out that her sister is actually her mom and her mom is actually her grandma. Drama. <laughs> She's also starring in an upcoming Disney Plus movie called Secret Society of Second Born Royals, and royalty is in the his house. Pay, how goes it today? It goes well. How are you? <laughs> I'm pretty good and super stoked to be with the person that I get mistaken for on public transit. Uh, no joke, people have said to me, Hi, I think I've seen you on Disney Channel before. <laughs> because I've got the same short hair and skin complexion that you do, so... Really? Oh my gosh, that's so funny. You should be like, yeah, that's me. <laughs> I'd be like, yeah, do you want my autograph? I'm selling it for like $5 each signature. Yeah, exactly. Make some money. <laughs> <laughs> So you playing Andy Mack is a pretty big deal. You're 15. You lead the most watched show on Disney Channel by miniature adults, aged 6 to 14 years old, by the way. <laughs> and even though the show recently wrapped up its final season, it made history by featuring its first openly gay character and having the first Asian American family on the network. But I want to know if there was ever a time working on the show where you actually didn't connect so much with something your character Andy had to deal with. Definitely. I think, I mean, in the first episode of the entire series, when Bex tells Andy that she is her mother and not her sister, mm -hmm. um, that was definitely a big challenge for me. You know, she's not just mad. She's not just happy. She's not, <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. She's feeling all of these different emotions. Um, so that was definitely a challenge. So speaking of the show, let's talk about some of the actresses who play your fam bam. Yeah. Uh, there's Leland Bowden, who plays your mom. Yes. And then Andy's grandma, a.k.a. Cece, who's played by Lauren Tom. Yes. And for y'all who don't know, Lauren was a lead in The Joy Luck Club, a movie with an all-Asian cast based off the book of the same name by Amy Tan. 
So what are some memorable takeaways you've gotten or learned while working with these women who've helped pave the path for Asian American representation in Hollywood? I would say one of the biggest things that Lauren taught me is that no matter how, like, iconic you are, you can still be a good person. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I when I first heard that she was coming in to read um, for Cece, I was so nervous and I was scared she was going to be like... What? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it was just, it was such a big deal. Like, she was from the Joy Luck Club. She True. was this icon. And everyone was like, you can't screw this up. Like, we have to get her. We have to make her want to be on our show. Mm-hmm. And so I was really nervous. And then when she came in, she was just this bundle of joy and happiness Aww. and warmth, you know? And it just really goes to show that, I mean, you can stay true to who you are through all of it, mm-hmm. which, I mean, of course, but then seeing an example of that in such a in such a beautiful way was was really cool for sure. Yeah. And also just hearing about their different experiences, you know, in the industry and facing racism. And it's really cool and exciting to see, you know, all of Lauren's experiences and then hearing Lilon's experiences and then mine and how slowly that racism and that separation is deteriorating. On that note of racism, was there anything specific like a time where Lauren told you something that you just has stayed in your head? I think one of them told me a story about how they went in to talk to an agent and and the agent asked if they knew karate or oh. if they spoke Chinese. And those were the two things they wanted, which is like just crazy to me. And just the idea that that was happening and how much it's sort of going away mm-hmm. is really exciting, though. You know, I haven't had a lot of racist experiences. I think not only because I'm half, but also because I feel like our world is moving forward and progressing. Yeah. Um, but there definitely is a lot about like, oh, you're you're a kid. Just do what I say. You know, you don't need to know what's happening. Just do what we want you to do, um, which is not OK. And I think the youth of the world, you know, we're so strong and we we are the future. Oh, <laughs> yes. And making sure that um, our voices are heard is is super important. And from what I know, your Asian heritage, Chinese specifically, comes from your dad's side. Yes. And it was your grandma who did the hustling to get him and your uncle in the States. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit more about how they came over here? Yeah. So um, my dad was born in St. Lucia when it was a British colony. And um, my grandpa was actually the island doctor there. There was only one doctor on the entire island. Yeah, and then um, he passed away on St. Lucia, and my grandma took my brother, or my dad's brother, (laughs) and my dad, my brother, no, my dad (laughs) and my dad's brother to America, um, to California, and um, she worked at a burger place, and um, just really paved the way for, for my family. Is uh, your grandma still ill on the grill? <laughs> no, I, she's not working at the burger place anymore. Dang. All right, tell me your story. Okay, well, so my dad, he left Vietnam when he was like 14, and he went with my uncle, not my brother, my uncle. <laughs> um, and they had like seven other siblings, but my dad had been kind of scheming like, I want to leave Vietnam, because, you know, growing up, he saw the Vietnam War firsthand, 
And even though the war, like, quote unquote, officially ended in 1975, he's like, I got to get out of here. So he makes this plan. And one night he tells his brother on that night, he's like, yo, we got to go now. You can bring a couple friends. I'm going to bring a couple friends, too. We can't tell mom. We can't tell anyone else. Um, so they left. Oh my God. And he knew that he couldn't tell his mom because if he did, she'd be like, no, don't go. Don't leave me. And so he after that, they sailed for like four days and four nights. Uh, They made it to Hong Kong. And my dad still actually has the shirt that he was wearing at the time of the escape. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, I also learned that my dad in the 80s ran and operated a nail shop called Rainbow Nails. Wow, that's amazing. I want to see a picture of that place. Yeah, me too. (laughs) You know what? I'm going to hit up my dad. And if I see a picture, I'll like slide into the DMs, show it to you. Please do. (laughs) I mean, hearing people's stories is just, I mean, because it sounds like it's a movie. And then it's like, no, that's your family's story. Yeah. So we've got a listener question for you. Uh, This is a listener from Virginia, and I'm going to read it to you. Okay. I'm an Asian American woman in my 20s, and my husband is white. We're thinking of having kids soon, and he thinks we don't need to talk to them about race. I disagree because I think it's an important topic. I'm curious to know what kind of conversations your parents had with you growing up that's helped you think about your racial identity today. Wow. Yeah, that's a really great question. Actually, that wasn't really much of a topic of conversation that we ever had. I was really fortunate to grow up in an area where that wasn't anything anyone cared about, you know. Um, I mean, Andy Mack really was the first time that I really tapped into all of that. Um, I And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I, I would say that I would probably love to hear about my heritage and would have loved to grow up. Um, hearing more about that, but that just wasn't the way my my childhood went. Mm-hmm. Um, and then through Andy Mack, I people started asking me like, "What is it like to be Asian American?" And I was like, "What? What are you even <laughs> talking about?" You know, like that was just not something that that was at the forefront of how I how I thought of myself. Um, I came across an interview you did a couple years ago where you said that being mixed race didn't really have a big effect on your life at the time. I'm wondering if that's changed at all since working on Andy Mac. For sure, I would say I would say it has. I feel um, I feel a certain amount of weight in being able to be sort of a face or represent that side of who I am, you know, for other mm-hmm. Asian American girls and boys and anyone growing up. Like me. Yeah, like <laughs> you. <laughs> and apparently we're the same person anyways. So yeah, it's exactly. <laughs> So this is kind of a hard question, but Uh-oh. do you feel... <laughs> um, <laughs> I actually got to go. Um, <laughs> oh, I'm dang it. That's our time. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this is... So do you feel like you are doing a good job of being that face or like that model of representation? <sighs> Self-reflection. Um, I know, <laughs> seriously. Yeah, it's like a therapy session all of a sudden. Tell me about your um, feelings. Yeah, seriously. Um, I would say I'm trying my best, which is all we can ever do. Um, hopefully I have showed the people that watch Andy Mack or that follow me. I don't, that sounds so annoying. (laughs) I hate myself. (laughs) But anyways, (laughs) anyways. I totally feel what you're saying though. Like, you know, I, I don't know. It's, I mean, yeah. I, I guess. I hope. I'm working on it. <laughs> it's a work in progress. Well, Peyton, I really want to say thanks for being on Adult-ish. 
Oh, thank you for having me. This was so much fun. Y'all gotta check out Pei on Insta, where she's either roller skating or traveling. You know, <laughs> all that at Peyton Elizabeth Lee. That's Peyton with a Y and a double E in Lee. That should be my catchphrase. And a double, double e, e in Lee. Lee. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe, like, your dad really was doing the full-on nails and everything. Yep. Like, full-on manicures. And Manny, petty. Petties took pedicure? He did the petty. Oh, what? Yeah. Can, can you do mine, too? Because every time I'm, to, like, I'm <laughs> trying to, like, hit the beach or something like that, you know, have the little toes out, busting, going crazy. Everybody like, ooh, nice, look at your toes. Uh, it becomes, like, $25, <laughs> but, and I can't even, like, afford it sometimes. So I was like, Yeah, because you're spending all the money on your parking tickets. Ha! <laughs> uh, do you know if the nail people are Viet? Because they usually are. Uh, it's 2019. You're not about to play me with that one. So I'm not even going <laughs> to get into that. You know, there's actually history behind that. Um, after the Vietnam War, there's this actress named Tippi Hedren. Hedren uh-huh. And she wanted to employ these Vietnamese women coming over. And so that's like why the nail industry is full of a lot of Vietnamese people. Okay. But yeah, let me get back to you. Um, but right now. I need to get back I to would... the ASAP on that. Okay, I will. Yeah. I'll <laughs> hold me to it. I'm going to teach you a lesson in Vietnamese. Ooh. Are you ready? It's going to be one of my favorite words. Like, my favorite word? Pho ga? What? Just because I'm Viet, all I eat is pho? No. Is that what you think? It's the only word I know. No, I'm kidding. It's okay. That's good. That's good. <laughs> um, so it's the word for thank you, which is gam ung. Gam ung. Perfect. Oh my gosh. So having said that, everyone, Gamong for listening to Adult-ish by YR Media, a national network of young artists and journalists creating content for this generation. Gamong to our senior producer, Davey Kim, who also worked on a podcast called Self-Evident, a show devoted to telling Asian American stories. Be sure to check that out. Gamong to Ganajio Johnson, our sound engineer. Gamong to Jadi for social media graphics. Doing good. And Gamong to our executive producer, Rebecca Martin. Oh, I'm so proud of you. Gamong <laughs> uh, for this episode's music from DJ Clay Xavier, as well as Medina and Jinzo, who have been like brothers to me since middle school. Show them some love by checking out their music. And last but definitely not least, a very special Kamung to our Radiotopia family, an independent collective of some of the dopest shows in all of podcasting. Check them out at radiotopia.fm. Be sure to also follow us on IG, Twitter, and Facebook at YR Adultish, and rate and review our show on Apple Podcasts or on iTunes. And I will personally volunteer young Merkel over there to write you guys a personal custom haiku. Because I guess Nigel from... leaves in free labor. Yeah, that's what it is. Hey, it's lit. Uh, personally volunteer Merk to write you guys a custom haiku. Just DM us uh, screenshot proof to our email at adultish at yrmedia.org. And it's lit. Yes, it is lit. And with that, join us on our next episode where we talk to an actor from Black Panther, Ooh. a musician from Kenya, ah. and my parents. Eh. Why is it eh? (laughs) Anyway, we're going to be talking about the American dream. Or American nightmare. Oh, come on, Nige. Uh, Get it? Like, come on. Come on, dude. uh, Eh? uh, Eh? On that note, we are out of (laughs) here.
Radiotopia. Radiotopia.